0: who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. I get out of here and just, just tell me I'm a jerk
3: and shut up. Let's go scatter the west Break right, tight. F left, 372 Y sticks,
1: The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt.
2: Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football.
3: Football, baby. We're going to be teeing that sucker up soon. Like that monkey who sat his tail on a railroad track. It won't be long now. Be here before you know it. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, and fast service. Friendly service. That's what you get. Deal with somebody one-on-one at Farm Bureau. Somebody you get to know personally. You probably already know them. They have Enough agents in each county office to make sure they serve the entire county. So there's a slim, slim chance, a really slim chance that you, wherever you live, don't, it's a slim chance you don't already know one of the local Farm Bureau agents. (laughs) And it's going to be people from right there, the hometown heroes. And man, that's the way you want it. Look, if something happens and you need to call on that insurance. At, a, at an odd time, you just pick up the cell phone and call their phone. That's the way it works, the way it ought to be. You don't have to wait until Monday and call some 800 number. Don't put yourself in that position. Deal with phone bureau. All right. So, Roger, you know how in the first hour we were kicking around this quarterback thing and the idea of Bear Bryant's grandson came up when Andy called in? Right. And he said, you know, is Bear Bryant's grandson still... There at Alabama, and doesn't mean he's necessarily the incumbent. Na- what is that kid's name? I, I should know, but I just, we got a text after that <laughs> that I like on the text line from an unnamed texter, and it says, Is it Bear Bryant's grandson or his great grandson? Because I played Little League Baseball with his grandson back in the 70s. <laughs> that came from Mo said, thanks for Mo. He still had his eligibility. <laughs> we may have been off a generation or two, Mo. For all I know, Mo, a poet and don't know it. Here's the other thing. Brad Logan is coming up in just a bit. We're going to talk a little Ole Miss football, SEC football with him. He covers them and does some writing for Corner of the End Zone. And you can follow him on Twitter, Brad Logan, C-O-T-E. That's coming up. But 40 days from right now to be August the 31st, and we're going to tee it up. 40 days from right now. So we're going to pick the countdown of 100 teams back up today with team number 40. I'm about to play you the first couple of seconds of their fight song, and I bet somebody can guess who this is. Here's just a few seconds of it right here. Y'all know who that is? (laughs) Somebody knows. I'll give you the whole thing later. Uh Uh-huh. You've heard it a million times. I put it that way. All right. Here we go. Over here on the Davini Equipment phone line, Davini Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, they are your Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. They've been doing it better longer than anyone else. You're not in business that long. The same business that long. Unless you're doing it exactly right all the time. And that's what you get. Some of the best people, the great service, and great products from Kubota and Red Max and others. At Divinity, Madison, and Jackson. Divinny Phone has Brad Logan. Covers Miss, uh, he covers Ole Miss, or has been recently, primarily for Corner of the End Zone this year. Going to branch out just a little bit, and he'll be covering Mississippi State as well. Follow him on Twitter at Brad Logan, C-O-T-E. Brad! What's up, man? What's up, man? I
0: appreciate the phone call,
3: buddy. Good for talking little football today. Yeah, it's been too long uh, since I chatted a little football with you, uh, and that's my fault. Well, it could be your fault, too. You're kind of busy man also. So, you know, takes two to tango.
0: <laughs> it does, uh, but, you know, interesting year coming up, I think, for both no, no. Ole Miss and Mississippi State.
3: Well, I think so, too. Um, I don't know if you ever get a chance to to listen in to a Chris Brooks and the gridiron show they were on just before us here on um, the zone 1059 in Jackson. I um was listening to them and and he said he felt like you know there's some unknowns both for state and Ole Miss I want to start for you with Ole Miss it, it, you know the unknowns with them are, some of them are, are are like obvious I know that sounds like an oxymoron but it's Kind of how how is this offense and all going to mesh under Rich Rod, and what is that defense going to look like? So, when you start a conversation this year, Brad, about Ole Miss football, where do we start? Is it offense or defense?
0: You know, man, I think it's defense simply because of the departure of Weston McGriff and now the incorporation uh, of the Mike McIntyre defense. He's transitioning to that three-four defense, but quite frankly, man, over the last three or four years. Underway, some the defense has been terrible. And so I think a lot of people are just looking for improvement. I don't, Mm. I don't, I think we saw some improvement during the spring. I think the joke in the press box was, I don't know if Ole Miss looks faster or maybe they're just in position. Never mind the fact they didn't make the tackle, but at least they were in position to make the tackle. So, um, just breaking it down. And the fact that Mike McIntyre even came out and said, we're going to break this defense down all the way just kind of the the basics. And he said that in the, the post game. Availability of the spring game and it was a nice way of saying this defense not only is not very talented, but it has not been in the right positions and just, just the technical parts of defense have really not been incorporated. So I think the only way to go is up and I think that's good for Ole Miss. Uh, the question is is the talent going to be there. I don't really know if that matters at this point. I think just being in the right place and incorporation of the defense. I think it's going to automatically make Ole Miss a little bit better defense, uh, as it stands.
3: You know, and and I hate to just keep picking out content from Chris's show, but it's another point that he made about that Ole Miss schedule in that we, we know and you know and everybody knows how tough it's gonna to be to play Memphis up there in that first game. But then I thought he brought up a good point in that you're gonna come back and host Arkansas in week two and it's gonna be an Arkansas team that frankly Pruitt knows he's got to win that game. He's got to win those kinds of games or they're going to fire him. Do you agree with
0: that? I absolutely agree with that. In fact, I think if you look at Ole Miss' schedule, the path to six wins has to include a victory, in my opinion, over Memphis and Arkansas. Um, The schedule is going to be incredibly difficult down the stretch. In the beginning, there are some avenues for success. Um, If you can go to Memphis and win, I think Ole Miss is more talented than Memphis think they should win that game. But, you know, like you said, and Chris said it earlier, you're getting a Chad Morris offense, a Chad Morris defense, and an Arkansas team coming into Oxford to face Ole Miss, and his next SEC win will be his first one. And if you don't think there's any pressure on Chad Morris to win an SEC game, then, Mm. you know, I I think it's incredible the amount of pressure he's under this year. And I think he's had all summer to game plan against that Ole Miss defense. The good part for Ole Miss is, He's having to go look at Colorado film and and then other places that that Mike McIntyre has been. So that's good news for Ole Miss. The downside is, you know, they're they're going to have a red-hot Arkansas team in here. So when Ole Miss faces Phelah the third game of the year, if they're 0-2, there's going to be about 10,000 people in the stands, and and it's over. But Ole Miss, they're going to have to win those first two games. If they don't, it's trouble down the stretch. I do think they probably will. But a path, like I said, Matt, a path to a bowl game and six wins has to include victories over Arkansas and Memphis.
3: Brad Logan on your radio right now. Y'all follow him on Twitter at Brad Logan Now, Brad, let me say this is not at all me looking to pick on something you said. I but I like I, I like the debate. You are the first person in any of the conversations about Ole Miss and that Memphis game that I have heard say that it's a game that Ole Miss should win and that Ole Miss is more talented. Um, it, it's a Memphis team that won eight games last year. Yes, they're in the AAC. I think the FPI, the ESPN, if you look at that, they've got them favored in about ten of their games, including just slightly a favorite at home over Ole Miss. We'll see if they're the favorite when the line comes out. Maybe they are. Is Ole Miss – more talented or is just Ole Miss the SEC team, so they should win. <laughs>
0: That's a good point. A little of both. I do think they're more talented than Memphis, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. There might be a debate on who has more talent on defense. And, mm. you know, you possibly could give the edge to Memphis on that. But but I think with what Ole Miss has returning specifically uh at running back with Scotty Phillips, you've got a five star and Jerry on Ely coming in. You've got a running back. Uh, like Isaiah Warrior, the walk-on uh, from down in the, the Hattiesburg area. Um, so I think Ole Miss is going to do well on offense this year. The question mark uh, is going to be that offensive line. They're not proven. They're about seven deep. Uh, they cannot afford any injury, and they're going to have to have some freshmen to play. Right now it looks like Jalen Cunningham's the number one guy to come in that they're going to have to ask to play. You can also remember name, Hamilton Hall. Those are two freshmen, big guys. but They're going to have to get in game shape. Really, really quick, you know, Matt. And you talked about that—that uh, that offense being talented. It is. There are more talented than this. The wide receiver position is one I think could be interesting with Tyler Knight,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: the, the young player out of Pearl. You know, man, at the post game availability of the spring game, Rich Rodriguez came in not knowing anybody. He said, "There's this guy, five six, about 170 pounds, uh, three minute wide receiver, the first day of practice, and he didn't come off the field the mm-hmm. rest of the, mm-hmm. the spring." we ask him and says, where do you foresee him, foresee him playing coaches? going to be running backs, going to be wide receivers, wherever we can get him the football. Wow. So you can look for him to play slide along with Elijah Moore. And they really like this freshman, Demarcus Gregory. Um expect him to play along with Bradley and Center. So the wide receiver slide is one that we, we know Ole Miss has, has synonymously put players in the NFL specifically last year with Metcalf along with A.J. Brown. So people are, are really circling that position. So, um, I look for those guys really step in. But, but like you said, defense is the question mark. And man, I know you saw this in SEC media days. Not one person from Ole Miss, first, second, and third team mm-hmm. in special teams was placed on that, that, uh, that list. And I think that has to be some sort of record. I've never seen that, uh, in my years of, of, of looking at it or covering SEC football that, that not one player has been uh, selected. So another chip, I guess you could say that, that Ole Miss players could put on their shoulder. But yeah, I really firmly believe that Ole Miss has more talent. Uh, on offense, you know, probably a wash on defense, but they should win that game in Memphis. And like you said, six and a half point underdog right now. Starting at seven and a half is down to six and a half. Uh-huh. Um, they have to win. They actually have to win that game if they want to have any success this
3: year. I agree uh-huh. with you. It sets the tone, and if the, the line's already moving a little bit in Ole Miss's favor, it just means that you know the the favor or the edge anybody gave Memphis is because they're at home. Brad Logan on your radio right now, Brad. I want your thoughts on this and you know this goes without saying you certainly don't have to agree with me but I just want to know what you think I sense something with Matt Corral that I think Ole Miss needs right now now I'm not projecting him to go win a Heisman and throw for 4,000 yards and be an NFL quarterback we can do we can figure all that out later I'm just saying I sense something with him in that it's a little kind of like Manziel quality or a even like a Marshall Henderson quality in that they were good, but there was something extra about them that was just interesting that drew your eye. Like you just were interested in them and what they were going to do. And I sense that with Matt Corral too, kind of that entertainment angle. And, And I think Ole Miss maybe needs that. I think the fan base needs a guy like that and he could be the fit for what they need right now. What do you think?
0: I think that's a fantastic point, and I would go even further. Now, obviously, the Egg Bowl was a wash this year. Mississippi State more talented and won the game decisively. But what we did see was that they did put uh, Corral in the game. He showed some fight. Um I mean, while it wasn't much, there was a little bit of enthusiasm on the field. Now, going back to what you said, Joe Ole Miss fan base has been absolutely butchered by the NCAA and, and, and the national media. This, you know, we could have that debate all day long, but they've been. They've been browbeat for a while. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for Ole Miss, they feel like they had an athlete director of who's now left and gone to the stadium They had a, a football coach, Steve Freeze, who's now in Liberty. And then they had a chancellor and Jeff Bitter who's no longer in that position. All three of those people, mm-hmm. the uh, the fan base just felt like, did not fight for them at all, frankly, during this NCAA case. They feel like if they opened the doors and allowed the NCAA to come and do whatever they wanted to. So they haven't had anybody that they can really grasp a hold of it's fighting in their corner. Specifically, up until that point, last year, I think now Matt Lucas has come in and he's shown a lot of enthusiasm. Keith Carter, I think, has done a heck of a job as the interim AD. I don't know that he'll get that position full time, but I think as of right now, he's fought on behalf of the fans. But up to that point, nobody in the administration had done anything remotely that the fans could grasp onto. Then Matt Corral comes out, you know, swings a fist or two, yeah. and I think kind of got the fan base excited about him first of all, as a quarterback, but two, hey, we've actually got somebody that looks to be fighting for us, you know, mm-hmm. metaphorically speaking, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think that he's someone that this team can rally around. He was very direct at the press conference. I saw it at SEC Media Day talking about how, you know, he ran talking to the other quarterback. He's doing everything he can to rally his room because Ole Miss, I think maybe the only school match you probably know this, I don't know this for sure, that has three freshman quarterbacks vying for the starting job. Mm. But we think, you know, it's probably going to be Matt Corral, but he technically is a redshirt freshman. So um, he's a young dude, but on the flip side, I think that's someone that this team can rally around. That's a really good point. Buddy.
3: Yeah, I think it is. You know, just somebody that, I, look, I I just sense it, there's something interesting about him. You know, whether it's a good game or a bad game, I just think it's going to be interesting to watch his career. Get a little bit of flash, you know, whatever, I don't know whatever you call it. Um, Brad, and I know this year, corner of the end zone, you're going to be covering uh, a little bit of Mississippi State also. Hopefully get to see you at a game, that kind of thing. As you glance at the year two situation, Joe Moorhead, you lose those three first-round picks on defense, still got some dudes over there, and got to figure quarterback out. Um, any way to gauge them going into the year in year two, or is it a big unknown also? I
0: think it's more of a known, Matt, than an unknown. I think uh, Joe Moorhead figured things out in the latter part of the year. Um, you know, Mississippi State was probably a tenor. I mean, people call me crazy with watching an 11-win team last year, and they just really – I don't think they performed at the level they could have because you look back and if Osiris Mitchell catches that ball against Florida, they probably win that game. Yeah. And, and, again, I think we could debate that, but I think at the end of the day, you know, they were up 6 nothing. I believe. They go mm-hmm. up 13 nothing, yeah. and I think that game's over. Uh, then I, if you win that game, I don't think they're losing to Kentucky. Um, and then play, you know, very well down the street. So I think that team could have won 10, maybe 11 games. So I like Joe Moorhead. and I've had a lot of conversations with, with different media and different fans. They're really down on him. Uh, I think for more of the reasons is what we just talked about. The, 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 the not successful one in the earlier part of the year, but I think he figured it out. And I think I like that play where he just turned around and handed it to Tyler Hill. <laughs> I don't know what, what he's going to call that play, but that young man is a talented running back. Uh, he's leading that group. And I tell you, that senior Nick Gibson, he can, he can play to it. So I think when he said that as SEC I really believe he's going to, to hone in with that offensive line he's got coming back, loaded with juniors and seniors, uh, and just run the football. And I don't really, you know, you know more than I, who the quarterback is going to be. It appears that everything coming out right now that to Tommy Stevens he is a guy that can spin it a little bit better than Nick, Nick this year. I believe he can run better. Uh, when I see it, but if he can turn around and, and, and hand it to Hill and, and Gibson, you know, that'll be fine. He's, he's got to find somebody to throw it to. Yeah. And, you know, Stephen Kedry's a senior. Uh, you know, the big things out of Dedrick Thomas, you would think he's a senior. And then, of course, Osiris Mitchell, the research junior, the guy that rocked that crucial pass last year, but he's got to have some help with wide receiver. Defensively managed called it out. It's hard to replace guys, uh, that they had drafted because everybody knows just how good Jeffrey Simmons was. But hey, if I can center and anchor that defense around a player like an Errol Thompson, I'm excited about that. A Willie Gay, another junior at that linebacker slot. And uh, I think there's bright, bright things for Mississippi State. The schedule is conducive to win this year. Um, I think it's another eight, nine win Mississippi State uh, team this year.
3: Good stuff. Brad Logan, y'all follow him on Twitter at Brad Logan, C O T E. I got like a minute and a half, two minutes. Brad, next time we talk. I want to start opening up with you and others this conversation about SEC scheduling. I don't like the current scheduling model with the eight games and playing another team in your division like once every seven, in the opposite division, once every seven years. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I think it's time to do the Nick Saban thing, what he wants to do, and that's go to three non conference and nine conference games. It helps with everything. Just real quick in about a minute, do you agree with that? It's time to go to nine games.
0: Yes, I do. I don't think that Mississippi State, for example, should play Florida and then have to wait, I think it's, what, seven years now? They're not going to yep. play Florida until 2025. So, yeah, I think that's far too long to play teams in the conference, and I'm all for a nine-game schedule. Because right now, look at Arkansas's nine-conference schedule, man. I know that Michigan bought it out. I know they were supposed to say Michigan. They, they, they swapped over Colorado State. Their nine-conference schedule is pathetic. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm all for going that risk.
3: I am, too. We'll talk about that next time. Brad, hey, listen, my pleasure. Great to catch up with you. I appreciate your time. We're going to do this regularly throughout the football season, and that's pretty much on us, man. That's a good thing. Hey, thank you. Thanks a lot, man. Brad Logan. You are going to follow him on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE. Primarily covers Ole Miss for a corner of the end zone. I can look that up, and then uh, he's going to be covering some Mississippi State this year, too. Yeah, um... He said it again. Nick Saban did here recently, just the other day, in fact. Time to do it. Time to fix this scheduling thing, and he is exactly right. You know, And I commend him for continuing to beat the drum because he knows it's what's best for the Southeastern Conference, not only now, but long term. And given that he's the coach at Alabama and Alabama's the best team, he's the only one anybody to listen to about this. <laughs> or, or at least that can can bring it up without his own fan base saying he's crazy. i will talk about it next. I'll tell you why it's not crazy. Ah, Heck, I know. It's not going to change this year. Maybe it's the wrong time to talk about it. Why not, though? Time to go ahead and plan for the future. Speaking of the future, a ways to go today with you in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt
0: Show. I don't really care about that. It's the end of the conversation.
3: Back on the show. Live in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go! With the home team. Here in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Rogers got the uh, phone line open to you. You want to be on the show. I'd love to hear from you. Give me a shout. Let her rip, tater chip. Here's the number. 995-1059. That's a 601 area code. 601-995-1059. You having a good Monday, Roger? Yeah, so far
1: so good. You didn't walk in with, you know, things on fire. Yeah,
3: nothing was on fire.
1: Sometimes coming in after the weekend, you
3: know, like five
1: things going wrong.
3: Sure. Yeah. You just wonder. So
1: it wasn't an ultra-Monday Monday.
3: Yeah. It's like when you go, yours? it's like, you know, we went away for the weekend for a couple of days. We had someone coming over here to feed our animals. And uh, we came back and the cat was sneezing all the time. Yeah, just sneezing <clears throat> constantly. Do you know cats get like sinus problems and stuff? Do you know that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a sight when you're not used to it or you've never seen it before to watch a cat just have a sneezing fit. <laughs> you don't, don't want to get too close to that thing. I mean, and look. It's not like you and I having a sneezing fit. We're like, "Got you!" You excuse me, and then bang, do it again. Phew! You know, we're sneezing. A cat's like, phew, 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 phew. it's like machine gun sneezing, and the weirdest noises you've ever heard. <laughs> totally
1: surprised. Like, where'd that come from?
3: <laughs> right. So it's it's pretty clear. Um, he got into something. <clears throat> Curiosity got the cat. Yeah, you know, you come back after weekend. Anything can. Happen? Radio studio, people going in and out of there? Oh, man. No telling. Unattended children. <laughs> Unattended children. Is that what you're saying everyone is at the radio no, no, station, but, Roger?
1: No, no, no she would. You <laughs> would be surprised but wanders around here sometimes.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. That's I'm sure. Heart. I had a really cool experience, though, this weekend, Roger. Um, so coming back from our little trip. Had my wife and daughter in the car, right? We're coming back from our trip. And it took us through the town that I grew up in as a kid. Russellville, Alabama. It's
1: Has has it shrunk any?
3: (laughs) Not really. No, it it hasn't. I know what you're saying, but for whatever reason, it hasn't. Russellville, Alabama. Yeah, it's about 15 miles southwest of... It's up there in northwest Alabama. Just right outside this side of... The Shoals area, Muscle Shoals, Florence, in that area. That's where I grew up as a kid. We lived there until I was maybe 14 or so, and then we moved, and I went to all four years of high school somewhere else. But still, I, I just, you know, it's kind of where I grew up, you know. And I hadn't spent any time there. I've only driven through a couple times recently, but our trip brought us back through there. So with my daughter in the car and my wife, I was able to show them some things they had never seen before, you know, the neighborhood and the house that I grew up in, where I went to school, or I went to church. I was baptized at Calvary Baptist Church in Russellville 32 years ago as a 10-year-old, you know, that kind of stuff, and they really found it interesting seeing all that, kind of the old stomping grounds. And what was cool, Roger, is we drove to um, where I went to school, all right, and unlike other towns. This, you ought to see this place. The elementary school, first grade through third grade. The next elementary school, fourth grade through fifth. The junior high, sixth through eighth. And the high school, ninth grade through 12th. This is a 5A public school. 5A public school in Alabama. And every one of those school buildings is sitting right next to each other. All in the same piece of real estate in Russellville, Alabama. You know, I don't know how many acres it takes, but the entire thing. So, like, if you live there your whole life, you ride on the same street and pretty much get dropped off almost in the same place. But all four of these different schools are right next to each other. And in between is the athletic facilities, baseball field. They've won a bunch of baseball state championships at Russellville here recently. But they've always kind of been a football school, and they have one of the more impressive high school football stadiums you will ever see, really. It's like it, it's like it came from Texas, and they sat it down in northwest Alabama. It's got a jumbotron and everything, man. It's, it's really incredible. But when you pull in there to turn and go to that Russellville High School football stadium, the name of the street that goes right in front of West Elementary School that I went to as a little kitty, first grade and second grade, is called Chucky. Memorial Drive, named after Chucky Mullins. Yeah, I grew up watching play for the Russell Golden Tigers back in the day. Um, so anyway, it was neat to go back and and see all that. Yeah.
1: Did you hear the Bruce Springsteen song in your head? Glory days. No, I was thinking about my hometown.
3: Too. Oh no no my hometown. Or what's the other one? The uh, the Mellencamp song. Was it Small Town? Yeah. When I was a kid, Roger, I had a, a videotape, a, a VHS tape of the uh, NBA greats. And for Larry Bird, when they showed all the Larry Bird highlights, they played the John Mellencamp song. Uh, small town. Because he was from, where was he from? Some small town in Indiana. French was Lick. He? That was the name. No doubt. The na- the name of Larry Bird's hometown, Roger, is French Link, Indiana.
1: <laughs> did he have a reputation for being kind of an arrogant guy? Oh, yeah. That,
3: oh, yeah. He? Oh. Yeah. And he, Maybe he was just focused. Well, he backed know? all of it up. Oh, did? Every bit of it. He'd tell guys during NBA games. We are just talking smack. Yeah, hey, buddy. We're about to inbound this ball. I'm going to shoot a three right over there on the wing. Not a thing you can do about it. <laughs> You ought to watch, I've watched some thirty for thirty Larry Bird stuff. But did he follow up on it? That's what I'm saying. He did it. Well, then that, is, that ain't bragging. It's not bragging if you can do it, right? I've watched those thirty for thirty Larry Bird things, Roger, and no joke. The guys he played against, they'll roll their eyes and shake their hand, you know, head, and say, "Yeah." One guy told that story. Yeah, we're standing there. It's like the last two minutes, and he looked at our guy at us guys on the bench, talking about the opposing guys, opposing players on the bench, and said, I'm about to go baseline, come back right back around here in front of y'all and hit a three point shot to win this game. They inbound the ball, he ran the baseline, he posted up on the three point line right in front of the opposing bench, bam, three pointer, win the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he would do. <clears throat> do anything he wanted to. If he was on your
1: team, you love him, but if he wasn't, you hate him.
3: Exactly. Yeah, back when the NBA was for real men.
1: <laughs> it definitely seemed more interesting.
3: It was. And they looked, they played physical stuff. I think stuff. Dennis Rodman broke the NBA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: he may have. Hey, I want to go get into this real quick. Chad, uh, I appreciate your text on the text line 885 ESPN. Chad says, Matt, I would only be for nine conference games if the SEC dropped the requirement of one power five non conference that's the only way I see it working Chad I think realistically that's probably the next step in order to get to those nine conference games which they need but I still think ultimately long term you got to get you gotta do both you have to play nine conference games at least then you only have three non-conferences and one of those three non-conferences has got to be a good one and there are so many offshoots of that but you think about how far away the SEC is from that right now. But we have we have declining steadily attendance, not majorly but steadily declining attendance. Trying to fight the TV experience. You need more conference games? You need better non-conference games? And you got to give the division 1AA the FCS stuff. You pay them more when you do play them, so that the financial hit doesn't happen for them. But give them their own league and their own championship to go after. My hometown is that. Is this the boss? Yeah, the boss. Enjoy this. We'll be right back. Lick Indiana. <laughs> Come on! Good stuff. Melon Camp. You kids look that up. <laughs> Educate yourself. Yeah, I was born and raised in small towns. Grew up in that small town. Russellville, Alabama. You have to turn on Chucky Mullins Memorial Drive to go to the football stadium. Friday nights, the Golden Tigers would run out of that tunnel out on the field. Thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Chucky Mullins wore number two in high school. He could do it all. All my friends would run around on the hill and play down on the track during the game, and my dad was like, no, no, uh uh-uh, you're not doing that. Why not? Well, two reasons. One, I bought you a ticket. (laughs) I didn't buy a ticket for you to come in here and fart around on the hill in the track during the game. And number two, I want you watching the game so you can learn football. So that's what we did. Good stuff. My tweet about the SEC scheduling model, it's not just complaining, just looking for something to complain about, but I just think we have to be reminded of this every now and then. Current SEC scheduling model. It's not great. Time for nine conference games, three nons, including a power five. Making one road trip to the opposite division opponents every fourteen years. Fourteen won't cut it. You're not at that point, you're not in the same conference effectively. Luther responded to me on Twitter and said, Why would they vote to make the schedule that much harder? And I don't think it's that much harder. It's about the same, actually, because Luther, whether we like it or not, when you play, I'm going to give you an example, when you play Northwestern State in November, it's harder to play them than it is to get up to play Kansas State. At least you're excited about playing Kansas State. It's just the way it is. And then your season ticket packages are easier to sell. Television likes it more. More fans at the games. Happier to pay those premium prices for these luxury suites that you're going to be putting in stadiums in order to get them to come to the game anyway. Yep. So that's kind of the way I see it. Am I crazy? Yeah, maybe I am crazy. Uh, coming up, we're gonna do a real quick countdown. We got team number forty. Here's the first few seconds of their fight song. You know who it is? Anybody know who that is? All right, here we go. Davini Equipment Phone, Davini Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. Who we got, Roger? Jason. Hey, Jason. Flagstaff. Jason in Flagstaff, Arizona. Man, hey, Jason. It's getting dangerous out there, isn't it?
2: No, it's actually. From my perspective, it's a lot better than it was yesterday. Oh, good, good, but, good, good, good. Yeah.
3: Hey, so you've got you got helicopters flying overhead. Listen to that, Roger.
2: Oh yeah, there's three, or, three or four of them. They're coming on this side of the hill, getting water, and they're going back around
3: to dump on that wildfire. Let us hear those helicopters again. You got one overhead?
2: Uh, no, not right okay. now. They just left to go back. They've been coming around every five to ten minutes. They'll get water over here in this field, and then they'll go around. Okay. Quite a few uh, jet planes doing it, too, today.
3: Right. All right, so Jason is in Arizona. He sent me a picture right out close to where he is of the smoke filling the sky and everything. They're trying to put these fires out. Jason, what are they telling you is kind of the prognosis for this thing as this fire continues?
2: Well, it started yesterday morning, and it was like five acres, and it was 30, and woke up this morning, and it said 1,000 acres burned already. Wow. And they had, they had to call in the, the, I don't know what they call it, but it's basically the quick reaction force of the whole southwestern United States for wildfires,
3: because mm-hmm.
2: it's within a mile of town.
3: Within a mile of Flagstaff. Uh,
2: yes, sir. Good. Last Good. night, I was looking at fl- flames. From my front porch, it's better today with that regard. But yeah, there's one flying right over me now. A helicopter, one of those helicopters. Yes, sir.
3: Let's see if we can hear it. Yeah, there he goes. Hey, hang in there, Jason. Keep us updated, okay? Yes, sir. All right, prayers for you all. Thank you. Uh, also on the phone with a few minutes left here, young Ben. In Madison, on the Davini Equipment phone. What's up, Ben? What's up, Matt? Yo, what do you think? Um, um, uh, I love to watch your highlights. Yeah. Um, I love listening. I love to listen to you when you call the state baseball games. Thank you.
1: He You're does welcome. do a good job with that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, um, uh, Ben, are you a football fan? Yes, sir. Who's your team? State. Okay. Oh, duh. Duh. Ben, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted. Go right ahead. So with Ole Miss this year, um, why did they change the schedule with us in Arkansas and Ole Miss and Arkansas? Why did they move it up? Do you know? Okay. And I knew, uh, Ben, that I knew that for – Ole Miss, the Arkansas game got moved up to the second week of the year. Did it also get moved on state schedule? It well, it maybe yes. Okay. Yes, because for old, before Ole Miss this year we have homecoming. Yeah. yeah, I'm seeing that right now. Yeah, that's right. Arkansas, it's still in November for Mississippi State. It's just early November as opposed to late November. Yeah, it's board. not late November. That's a really good November. question, um, Ben. I, I don't know the reasoning behind it, honestly. I don't know if that's, you know, if it has anything to do with, um, you know, the placement of that game. I, I, would, I would say, though, that on the surface I like it because I know that it's an advantage for, like, Alabama and Auburn. They finagled the schedules yeah. years ago where they were able to get a light – kind of just pushover game before playing the big Iron Bowl. Um yeah. And and so from State's perspective, you know, they're getting Abilene Christian in there on November the 23rd just kind of as a get-loose game before the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving. So I kind of like it. I appreciate you bringing that up, Ben. My pleasure. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, man. Yep, see you. Young Ben, listener to the show in Madison. I, I You know, again, I knew that In the Ole Miss schedule, they'd moved Arkansas up to week two, which is really interesting for all of us. You know, week two contests like that. But I guess I hadn't realized yet, you know, the change. I knew Arkansas was still in November, but yeah, it's a two week earlier game now than it used to be. The finish to the year for state used to always be Alabama, Arkansas, Ole Miss every year. And it's a really tough stretch. Now it's Arkansas, Alabama, Abilene, Christian, and then Ole Miss. So you kind of get the tune up. Non conference game before uh, playing the rival. Anyway, the fight song, team number 40, was Kentucky. Did anybody know that was Kentucky's fight song? You've heard it a million times. If you ever watched a basketball game? I got a message from a friend that says Matt, nine games would be unbalanced for everyone based on home and away. Yeah, four and five one year, five and four the next. So every year some teams would have home field schedule advantage. Let's go to 10, man. Fine, go to 10. <laughs> Even at sucker out. That's easily fixable, though. You just play some neutral site games for everybody. Be easy to do, right? Wouldn't it be easy to do? Because, all right, what you've already got Georgia Florida playing a neutral site conference game, you got Arkansas hosting a one game a year in Little Rock. <laughs> I still think we could figure it out, but uh. Make it 10 games. Fine. Do that. Play two non-conferences. Play 10 conference games. Let's do it. Let's see. We'll um, do
1: that right after that Middle East peace thing.
3: Yeah, as soon as we figure that out, then we'll change the scheduling. I just hate it. And I did get it wrong. It's not 14 years. it be every 12 because you do have the one non-conference common opponent. So instead of... Seven in the other division rotating that way, it's um, 12. So I need to go back and edit that. Chad texted back, though, and said, Matt, if you're talking declining attendance, really no non-conference opponent is going to put more folks in the home stands. seeing as how most quality high-end non-conference opponent games are at neutral sites. If more folks in the stands and the goal is the goal, then go to 10 conference games and two non-conferences. And again, Chad's probably right. It'll never happen, but it should. You know, we talk about issues, problems we're having. Well, the answer is right in front of you. Just do it. What are you afraid of? All right. Been a good Monday show. You've got a little fact-checking in there at the end. We'll see you all tomorrow in the Farm Bureau studio. See you then.
2: See you.